The saga continues. I am, of course, speaking of the hub saga that has caused quite the stir in the, our little town of Lawrence, Kansas. Recently, the Lawrence Journal World reported that the developers behind the hub have filed a lawsuit against the city for its decision in May to deny the project. In their lawsuit, the developers claimed that the city commission bowed to public pressure, that the guidelines are illegally vague, and the decision was ultimately arbitrary, unreasonable, and capricious. For our podcast today, I want to take a closer look at these claims, the principles that underlie them, and whether the developers actually have a case based on their claims. This is Lawrence Talks, and I'm your host, David Thomas. Hello, everyone. This is David Tamez, and welcome to this episode of Lawrence Talks Podcast. And this is a podcast uh, dedicated to philosophical uh, issues and, and questions, especially those that uh, are brought up in our very own community and are of some relevance to, to everyone here. Uh, and today, as, as an introduction um, implied, this saga continues with the hub development issue. And I wanted to take I want to take a look at some of the uh, claims brought up by the developers in their suit against the city. Uh, now, as a reminder, uh, in May, beginning of May, the city commission gathered uh, to make a decision as to whether the hub developer should be granted a cer- certificate of appropriateness and general building permits. And after, after hearing the case of the developers and after hearing uh, public testimony, um, and really in, in light of, of the decision by the HRC, the Historic Research Resources Commission, uh, they decided to uh, place great deference on the findings of not only their own findings, the city's findings, but also HRC's findings, that the development, uh, which is a multi-purpose building, that would possibly uh, or potentially housed uh, local businesses and also residents, college students, um, and and their building, and also provided a number of, of parking spaces, uh, encroached or damaged the uh, historical environs of some of the buildings around there. One of them included uh, the courthouse, the very be- the beautiful courthouse there. Um, and so they, they came to the decision that uh, the development or the project was to be denied based on those findings. In response, the developers have uh, filed a lawsuit uh, claiming that such a decision, um, in part, was a uh, came was arrived at not only in part but to a great a great deal um, due to pressure from the public. Uh, and that's so. I want to take a, take a look at that claim real quick. Um, and before I get to that claim, it, it might be um, helpful to understand what are the principles, or at least the legal principle that that is uh, behind this general uh, the general uh, suit or the general claim that uh, the city did something wrong here. Um, and really, what's at stake here is uh, comes to the principle of ru- the rule of law. Um, now, in shorthand, the rule of law is understood that a country should, uh, or a government should be one of rules and laws and not of persons, or not of humans. Um, 
and sort of the, the sort of historical way of, of understanding that is, is say that government should be one of, of laws and not of men. And what that means is um, when a city official or uh, someone as high up as the president of the United States um, is making a legal or political decision, it should be one that is derived from uh, legal principles, established legal principles, and not at the whims of, of their wants and desires, uh, so on and so forth. Um, and that makes sense, right? We, when uh, we think of a government, when we think of what we want it to do, we want to say that we don't want them to be making decisions based on these egotistical or egoistic um, principles or egoistic uh, desires that they're going to make decisions based on what benefits them the most, the individual making the decision. And not only that, now, so that's sort of a, a moral concern or ethical concern, we also don't want them to be arbitrary. And so the rule of law is basically this, this, this denouncement of arbitrary rulemaking or arbitrary lawmaking. Um, and so that's, and they're also in the, so that's an overhead view of the, of the principle of rule, the rule of law. There are also uh, five principles that can be identified in, in just trying to make sense of the rule of law. And some of them, if not all of them, have some sort of relevance to the claims that the hub uh, developers are making. And I'll, I'll sort of name these, name a few here. One, the government must operate under the law. So that's just what I just uh, discussed here, um, that whatever laws are in place, the government should be beholden to those laws. Um, they shouldn't try to make decisions based on uh, these again, these egoistic uh, preferences, or even uh, what they think is best. So they could have all these good intentions behind their decisions and not necessarily be egoistic, uh, but they could be based on unestablished legal principles. Um, and so why, why is it important to, to have these to have our decisions based on principles that they derive from um, these fixed, principles that uh, that pe people can agree upon or at least uh, identify and possibly critique in, in some way. Um, well, the principles allow us to fall back on something to say, um, oh, it wasn't just because I was feeling uh, ill that day or it didn't fall it doesn't fall on what I ate that morning. Um, no, that I made the decision or a decision was made based on uh, what can be derived from these principles, from these established principles in law. Um, and so that, that seems to, to make sense. Uh, two, government must regulate society through a system of general and authoritative rules. Um, again, so that's just falling out of that first principle, um, that they must be general enough and authoritative enough uh, that people can understand what they're saying, what they're uh, allowing for, what they're not allowing for, what they're pr permitting or pro prohibiting. Um, and this is important because 
if we can't predict how a law is, or a rule is going to be uh, enforced, then it seems unreasonable to expect the uh, even the most reasonable of citizens or most rational of citizens um, to know in advance or to be to predict uh, that something they're about to do is going to be uh, against the law. If they can't do that, then there's something about the law. There's something wrong about the law. Um, and so here in a constitutional uh, democracy, that would be deemed a law that is so vague. Um, and so this is also the vagueness doctrine that, that uh, people will often refer to. If a law is so vague, then it, it should not, it's not good law. And it's unconstitutional. And this was something that's going to violate the uh, due process uh, clauses that we have in our amendments. But it's also a, a moral principle. It's not just something that falls within our system. It, it's, it's considered a broadly uh, reasonable legal rule to have for all systems to have, not just our own. Uh, second, the general and author or authoritative rules should be should give individuals fair warning. The rules should be made public, reasonably clear in meaning and specific in what they prohibit, C, enforced for a reasonable period of time, and D, uh, applied uh, prospectively, and E, uh, applied impartially, and F, possibly to, uh, possible to comply with, and enacted in accordance with pre-existing legal rules. So again, this is sort of a summary that I just discussed. And so law, so the one thing that I didn't bring out there is, is that the law must be promulgated. Um, people must know that, know of a law in order to know whether they are breaking one in the first place. Um, and as we, we might be thinking to yourself after hearing that, you might say, well, the laws that we have are so vast and so uh, complicated um, that it's at times difficult to know for sure whether something is or isn't a law. Um, if if you've ever been in a law firm or if you ever worked for a law firm, you might you may have noticed um, that lawyers have these troves of or um, bookshelves full of um, policies and laws that um, pertain just to their local area just or even to their state and there's many of them they're all full of laws that are in that state those are the laws that we expect the common citizen to know in advance now you can we can speak of the uh, unreasonableness of that given the vast number of laws that we have um, even within a local community as, as Lawrence, Kansas but that's the basic idea is that people must know about the laws and that seems reasonable and so the vagueness you know, again comes in that the uh, laws must be reasonably clear in meaning and specific in what they prohibit now this isn't just for citizens uh, again so Citizens must be able to predict how a law is going to be enforced. Um, but it's also for those enforcing the laws. So if a law is so vague um, or is 
is vague to the extent that one, the common citizen cannot be cannot uh, fully predict or accurately predict how it's going to be enforced. Um, it can also be so vague that the judge um, cannot, or judges, a number of judges in in the, in these cases, um, have differing views or differing judgments on on that given uh, statute. So if, if it requires or if it, if a law or statute often um, elicits these erratic decisions to be made, then the argument can be made that that law is too vague. And so that's that's that was one of the, that was so that was one of the other other claims. But let's let's so given that given that background, let's begin with the first claim that uh, the developers made, namely that the city commission bowed to public pressure. Why might that be problematic? You might be saying to yourself, "Well, they are the city commission; they are elected by uh, the people of Lawrence." citizens of Lawrence, they should be beholden to um, the public and what, they're, what they think in a particular issue. That might, that might be true in some sense. Right? City commissions, in part, uh, their um, task is to maximize votes for a particular initiative, and initiatives should be ones that benefit the community in some way. And so why is it problematic that they bowed uh, to public pressure, even if they did? Well, on the one hand, that's a difficult claim to make because it's a, uh, in a sense, it's a psychological claim. And you're saying, uh, that claim is basically saying that their motive behind deciding the way they did was to appease the public. Right, if you were there, that day, or even if you watched on on uh, the city's YouTube channel, the uh, the proceedings that day, you could feel the tension. You could feel the sort of anger um, and desperation that some of the some of the testimonies or citizens that were uh, testified uh, came with that day. Right, they were not happy with the developers, and they would not have been happy. Um, if the city commission decided in the in favor of the commission, and so it, the argument could be made that the city bowed to that pressure, and even, and it, even that's uh, that was one of the um, suggestions we made in our last podcast covering this issue was that it would have been interesting to see what decision the commissioners would have made if they were put behind closed doors, um, what those, uh, what their deliberations, what their deliberations would have been about, or how they would have under, how they would have gone, what they would have considered, uh, uh, if they would have considered things differently. But at the same time, that's a psychological claim, sorts of, that their held motive at the time was to appease, merely to appease the, the public at that time. It's not clear how one would, would prove that in court. 
but back to the to the issue of the rule of law, you could see why this would be problematic. That for a judge or a city commission in this case to have the motive to uh, appease the public, that a decision is right. So the principle here would be, the decision is a decision is right if it conforms with the public and what they desire at a given time. Why would this be problematic in light of what we know about the rule of law? Well, in this sense, so we want laws to be predictable. We want the enforcement of laws to be predictable. And on, so on the one hand, you might say that, well, that seems, if, if that's the principle, it seems like um, it's, it, it matches, it fits with some of the concerns of the rule of law, that it could very well, they could very well be, still be uh, predictable. And especially if the fixed preferences of the public, or if the, of, sorry, if the preferences of the public to which we are conforming our decisions to are fixed, namely that they don't change over time or there's only slight variance over time, then it should be predictable. Now, if anyone is familiar with the process of, uh, I believe with the process of, of the developers or any developers, part of their job, I believe, or part of their process is uh, eliciting or asking for public opinion, right? They don't want their projects to be unpopular, so they may um, seek out public opinion to see what people are going to think. And I believe they did speak to uh, the Core Spaces, uh, who is the developer in this case, um, speak to did speak to business owners. And I think uh, from, from my gathering, um, there were business owners that were in favor of the of the development. Many, I believe, many of them were right because they they want more people to be downtown. So they want greater density in downtown because that's going to be bring greater uh, amount, greater degree of business or more more business to their um, to their establishments. So that's one reason why they would be in favor of it. But not everyone was. Not every every person, every citizen in, in our in our town was. And so I'm not sure what feedback they received, um, not just from the business owners, but from the general public in advance. They also spoke to HRC in advance, and the city and the city commission, uh, to make sure that they were in line with the guidelines as HRC understood them and as the city commission understood them. Although they made a number of concessions, uh, namely, core spaces made a number of concessions. It was still HRC still decided that they didn't meet those guidelines. But back to this issue of of whether bowing to public pressure is against the rule of law, it may be because we, as we know, preferences are not always fixed. They're not always um, without some a great degree of variance over time. So at one point the public may be in favor of something and at another point they may not be in favor of that very same thing.
So it seems unreasonable for a judge or a city commission to hold the principle that a decision is should be made in such a way that it conforms with public opinion. Right? Public opinion changes all the time. So this would theoretically, possibly, uh, lead to arbitrary decisions to be made. Right? It's not a very good principle uh, to base our decisions on. And so that's, that's why the first claim is problematic, would be problematic in a, in a philosophical and a legal sense, right? or in a politically moral sense. Right? We don't want decisions to be based on um, principles that may cause erratic enforcement or unpredictable enforcement. But at the same time, to prove that the city commission bowed to, to the pressure of the public is difficult. Unless you can get them to say, yes, we bowed under pressure, that was our main reason for deciding in this way. Short of that, very hard to prove. And even, even now, even with the uh, use of CT scans to pick out certain um, areas of our brain that may have been uh, responsive to certain stimuli, even then that those sort of uh, tools are not all that applicable or acceptable in the, in the courtroom today at, the, at this very moment because they're, not, they're just not that predictable. That's a side note. So that's the, that's the first claim, and that's why it's problematic. At the same time, it's not quite clear it's something um, that the court that the court spaces that court spaces can prove in court, um, and this, at the same time, it may be true that the public pressure was in, in some way, or public opinion was in some way, um, relevant or a factor in the city commission's um, decision. At the end of the day, they based their decision on the findings of HRC and their own their own findings. And you can see this at the, I believe, at the end of that discussion, which comes up comes up a little bit before their before their vote. And so, what goes down on record is that they base their decision on HRC's finding. Okay. So now for that second claim. So there, that claim of, of that these the guidelines themselves were vague. And on the one hand, vagueness will it's, it, vagueness itself is not may not always be problematic. Some in some cases, we want laws to be vague in some in some degree. And that's, in a sense, why the term illegally vague is used rather than simply vague. So when, when might we want laws to be vague? Well, when laws are... Um, so part of the Constitution of the United States is that the government should be in charge of the general welfare of the United States or of the people, of the citizens of the United States. 
Now, what that means or what exactly that means is uh, difficult to pin down, really. What do we mean by general welfare? What do we mean by welfare itself? Many philosophical accounts have been offered uh, for what welfare means, what we mean by welfare. It could simply mean that we that the government provides certain goods and services as basic necessities of, of our welfare. But coming to those basic needs it can be quite difficult. And two, measuring welfare is itself uh, problematic, can be problematic. Just how we measure or what we measure in determining welfare is a matter of, is not entirely without some idea some ideological commitments. So they're not going to be just fact-based accounts, as we, as we would expect or as we would like. Some ideology is going to be necessary to, get, to bridge the gap between the facts and what we want out of our policies. And so... We, we allow for vagueness in that sense because we may not know what welfare is. We may not know, um, we may not be able to give a federal definition or of, of welfare. That may depend on um, the local community, it may depend on the state, on the particular region. So we, we require um, local communities to make those decisions for themselves just what welfare entails, what's good for them. Um, also, there's uh, some vagueness in uh, the, our amendment regarding cruel and unusual punishment. Now, we all may have our, uh, some shared ideas of what's cruel and, and what's unusual, but together as a claim of cruel and unusual, what does that mean? What, is it, what does that mean in regards to punishment? Right, for the longest time, our, our country uh, allowed for uh, death by hanging. For the longest time, people in our uh, country didn't think that was cruel and unusual. We do now. We think it's unusual to make a public spectacle of, 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 of a hanging. Um, and so now the question, the modern question today, or the contemporary question today, is whether the death penalty itself, in any form, is cruel and unusual punishment. And that's an ongoing discussion. Some states have decided that it is. Other states have decided that it is not. Right? My home state of Texas has decided, obviously, that it is not cruel and unusual punishment, whereas other states have. have. And so that's the purpose of uh, one virtue of vagueness in law is that it allows communities to determine for themselves just what these terms mean. And so that's why some vagueness is permitted or even be uh, beneficial to our, to our legal system. Now, something is illegal, legally vague when... Even for those local communities, it is unclear just what the statute means, what it entails, how, to, how it should be enforced. 
Right, so the, the developers here are arguing that they could not in advance know how these laws would be enforced. Now, I don't, it doesn't seem that this is necessarily the case. Right, obviously, in viewing the guidelines as an out of state, out of city uh, developer, they may not have a hold on just how they are enforced. That might be right. Now, while that might be right, that they didn't know in advance whether their development or their building would be uh, in accordance with those guidelines, that's still not enough, right? That they, um, one could argue that they had ample time and opportunity um, to work with HRC and to determine what plans would be um, within within those guidelines, right? But at, but here we have uh, what I think what it in a sense came down to was two interests coming um, coming to butt heads. Was right. The developers have to have a certain number of amount, number amount of um, of floors to maximize. Um, their economic interest to maximize their their profits, right? In a sense, and there were some people in the audience that were, were saying, yes, they're all they're all they're out for is profit, um, but at the same time, they're a business, and re really, no good business, uh, at least in this case, in the, in the construction side, um, survives without gaining profit, without trying to maximize their profit. So that's. That's a sort of uh, more substantive debate about whether capitalism is the best system for us. Um, that's that's a debate that's going to have to take place at another time, right? Um, but in, in this particular case, right, they have to. There, the conditions are such that they have to maximize their profits, um, while at the same time try, uh, do their best to appease uh, their client or the the space that they're trying to occupy which is in this case Lawrence and more specifically downtown Lawrence right while on their si other side you have HRC which uh, has their primary function to uh, preserve the historical footprint of, of the buildings on downtown um, on Mass Street and so those two interests came are com coming into conflict with one another um, right the developers said they could not scale down any more than they already had, um, whereas HRC basically said, well, if you can't, then we can't approve. Um, now, that seems like a reasonable response by HRC um, in light of the, the developer's um, retort or response to, to their ruling that they needed to scale down a bit. Um, so it, it really comes down uh, no, so at the last the last claim made by the developers and their team is that it's more of a, so it's a more of a summary claim uh, so that the that the ruling of the city was arbitrary unreasonable and, and capricious that's just something that falls out of those first two claims being true namely that they bowed to public pressure and that the guidelines were un or unreasonably or illegally vague. Um, and if those are 
two are true, then you can only conclude that the ruling of the city was unreasonable, arbitrary, and capricious. Um, now, again, going back to that claim that they bowed to public pressure, you could uh, place some doubt it, so the team of the developers could say, um, if there if there is some of it, if it that information if the information is available, that in like cases the city did otherwise. Uh, now, those who are more familiar with previous decisions about development downtown uh, will uh, have to uh, comment there. But I, I, at this moment, I'm not quite familiar with previous uh, previous cases or previous decisions for our, our downtown development. But if you can show that, that might cast some some doubt in, in favor of the developers that at this particular time, in this particular case, they didn't do as they normally do and decide in favor of the developers, rather given the public pressure. And, and that public pressure wasn't the same in those other cases, right? That, that people did not show up the way they did this time in those previous cases, and the city commissioners decided differently. Now, if you can show that, that might show some reason to believe that they bowed to public pressure. That had they been in a, another room entirely, uh, where they weren't so uh, aware or conscious of uh, con conscious of the, of the of public opinion, then they may have decided otherwise. Now, so overall, so w whatever you may think of of this analysis, I mean, first and, mo first and uh, foremost, I'm more concerned with the philosophical issues that are brought up with these with these claims. The legal analysis, however, is going to be a little different and may uh, require a little bit more specialized um, knowledge in, in that sense. Um, but uh, some initial, but uh, some initial doubts are, uh, were laid out here. I think um, doubts and concerns for both cases uh, were laid out here, right on the, on the side of the city, right that the commissioners did um, mention that the guidelines were in a sense, vague and difficult for them to determine whether the developers um, layouts lied outside or their and their plans lied outside of those guidelines, um, and that maybe in the future they need to be updated. And they also mentioned that they wish they didn't have to make a decision at uh, at that point in time uh, because they needed time to further consider the findings that they uh, that the city uh, and their researchers. Came to came to put together. Now, wherever you wherever you fall on this debate, it, it's a very interesting case. It brings up very interesting uh, philosophical issues um, regarding the law, the rule of law, um, what we expect from our government and our government officials, um, and what we expect from from the citizens. Right? It, at, I think on on the one hand, again, wherever you fall on this on this debate. It was very interesting to, to find the amount to see the amount of um, interest in this in this issue, um, right? So so much attention is given to these very um, controversial topics uh, such as abortion or gun rights, freedom of speech, so on and so forth. That for it to come to for this to, for such an issue as development on uh, downtown Lawrence. To receive so much attention was interesting, and also 
just a highlight of what we expect from citizens to exercise their rights uh, to protest and to to demonstrate their uh, concerns about a particular issues. But those those are the issues I wanted to really discuss. Um, wherever you whatever you think of my my legal analysis is is one thing. I, I think um, there are those who are more more qualified perhaps to take a look at these issues. Um, but again, I was more concerned with these philosophical issues. But nonetheless, this was a very interesting case and one that uh, we here at Lawrence Talks will, will continue to take a look at. Um, coming up, we're going to have a, uh, or coming up down the road for another podcast, we're going to take a look at issues concerning personal identity and moral responsibility and the responsibility of social institutions such as universities um, to hold people accountable. Right. To what extent, uh, on the one hand, are we um, the same as our past selves who made very bad decisions? Um, and to what extent should we be held accountable in future cases or in future instance? Um, those are some of the questions that we plan to address in another podcast coming up later this month in July or later in July. In the meantime, uh, thank you guys for listening. This was uh, this was Lawrence Talks, and I was your host, David Thomas. Thank you.